there is a short announcement about the scripture reading. It's weird, isn't it? Um, so the bulletin says, uh, the Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 31, but that was a previous week. So um, it's 16 and today, verse 19 through 31. So Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through the end of chapter. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and sent Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets, let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rise from the dead. This is the word of God. The Rich Man and Lazarus. Did you know that the song Rock My Soul in the Bosom of Abraham was based on this story? That song that was made famous by Peter, Paul, and Mary in the folk revival of the early 60s is actually an old spiritual, first noted in a collection of that kind of music that was made in 1867. 
Slaves on plantations heard this parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and they immediately recognized their own lives, their own situation. The master and his family, dressed in fine clothes, feasting every day. Meanwhile, just outside their gates, just outside their doors, the slaves were living in misery, often hungry and sick or injured, just as Lazarus was. Imagine what it must have been like for them to hear this parable, to hear Jesus describe the realm of God as a place where there would be a great reversal, when the poor and the sick and the neglected would rest, as the King James translates, in the bosom of Abraham. More modern translations say, by the side of Abraham. The poor would rest in the bosom of Abraham and the self-satisfied wealthy would come to their own time of misery. They heard this story and they immediately recognized who this rich man was. So clueless that even when the great reversal had occurred, he still thought he could treat Lazarus as a servant to go fetch his water and carry messages to his brothers. They saw their lives and their hopes in this parable, and so they sang. Rock my soul in the bosom of Abraham. It was a song of resistance, a song of radical, revolutionary hope, a song of liberation for those who were suffering under the yoke of oppression, which makes it kind of really weird that this was a song that was hugely popular to sing to little white suburban kids in the 70s and the 60s. Who was a kid back then like I was? Anybody sort of like right around my same age? Yeah, you remember, right? Elementary school, Sunday school, Girl Scout meetings, vacation Bible school, church camp, they all had us singing this song, right? It's hot clapping and, and singing and rocking back and forth. Sometimes they pass out little rhythm instruments for us to, to, to go along with. You can see why, I guess, because it's a fun song to sing. But I don't remember that any of our teachers put this song into any kind of context for us. I don't remember them tying this song to the story of Abraham and Lazarus and the rich man in Luke's gospel, not even when we sang it in Sunday school. And I don't remember anybody ever teaching us that the song had its roots in the experience of slavery, which must have meant that there were thousands of seven-year-olds just like me who were rocking and singing and clapping and wondering, what the heck is the bosom of Abraham? <laughs> and what is it that's so high you can't get over it, so low you can't get under it, so wide you can't get around it? Maybe some of you are still wondering. So let's take a look at those questions. First of all, the bosom of Abraham, the side of Abraham, the embrace of Abraham, the lap of Abraham, all relatively useful translations of the original Greek or Hebrew word. The bosom of Abraham was for ancient Hebrews a memory, a metaphor, I'm sorry, the metaphor for the state in which the righteous who had passed on 
would await the final day of judgment, a place of peace. Hades, or Sheol, was also the realm of the dead, and it was a place also where some of the dead went to await the final judgment. It was a shadowy realm, and it, it could be either neutral or a place of isolation and suffering, as the rich man experienced it in this parable. The surprise for many who first heard Jesus tell this story would have been that Lazarus was the one in the bosom of Abraham. Because in those days, if you can believe it, many people believed that the rich were rich because of their superior virtue and that the poor were poor through their own fault, their own sins and bad choices. Can you imagine? <laughs> but Jesus, in this parable, rejects that commonly held belief. When the rich man asks Abraham to send Lazarus to help him out, it's clear that his experience in Hades has not had any transformative effect on his soul. The way he sees it, he and Abraham are peers. They're both powerful, prosperous men of authority who will help each other out. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, even when we're both dead. In the mind of the rich man, wealth is permanent and power persists. But in Jesus' parable, Abraham replies, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, received bad things. But now he's comforted here, and you are in agony. Jesus seems to be saying that wealth and poverty are accidents of birth and circumstance. In this life, you were rich and he was poor. In the next life, it's different. Wealth is not a blessing bestowed upon the good. Poverty is not a punishment visited upon the sinful or the foolish. Wealth and poverty are simply what they are, conditions of life. Accidents of birth and circumstance, and in the great reversal of the realm of God, the rich and poor may well change places. So in this life, the wealthy, the poor, everyone should live lives of faithfulness, generosity, compassion, and gratitude. Why? Well, it all goes back to the story a few chapters farther back in Luke's gospel where the young lawyer comes and asks Jesus, what must I do to receive eternal life? Jesus points out that the man already knows the answer to this question. Love God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But then the lawyer wants to push it farther and says, well, who is my neighbor? So this parable really is another answer to that question, just like the parable of the Good Samaritan was. Who is my neighbor? Well, that poor person sitting right outside your gate, that person is your neighbor. And to the extent that we ignore this or don't act on it, to that extent, to the extent that we don't live as if we know deep in our hearts that that is true, we begin to fix a chasm a chasm between ourselves and our neighbors, a chasm between ourselves and God. Every time we don't choose faithfulness, generosity, compassion, gratitude, the chasm grows a little bigger and a little bigger and a little bigger until one day it's 
so high, you can't get over it. So low, you can't get under it. So wide, you can't get around it. As Abraham says to the rich man, besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who may want to pass from here to you can't do it and no one can cross from there to us. I've often heard this text read as if God is the one who fixed that chasm between the rich man and Lazarus, but I don't think that's right. I think the rich man fixed that chasm himself throughout his life, daily by his own choices not to see Lazarus, the needy person right outside his door as his neighbor. So knowing all this now about this song, I don't think that we can sing this song here and now as I did as a seven-year-old back in vacation Bible school, rocking and clapping and blissfully unaware of its biblical context or its roots in the painful history of slavery. If we're going to sing this song today, I think we have to sing it with a different mindset. First, I think that we sing this song as a prayer, a prayer of confession and lament. We sing to confess the chasms that we've built by our own choices against compassion and generosity as individuals and as a society. We sing in lament and frustration about how hard these chasms are to get over, under, around, even when we try so hard. We sing and lament at how intractable the problems of poverty, hunger, homelessness, and health care have become, even when we try really, really hard. We sing and lament and confession about the times that our good intentions failed us, when we couldn't figure out how to respond to that homeless person who needed more than we could give, when helping a refugee family get settled turned out to be way more complex and complicated than we thought it would be. We sing this song to confess that our own good works often don't seem to be enough to bring down these walls, to get us across the chasm, and we pray for help to patient, to be patient and to persevere and to have the courage to keep trying. Some versions of this song have that verse about so high you can't get over it, so low you can't get under it. They end with, you got to go through the door. What door? Which door? There's not a door in this story. What are they talking about? I think that the door they're talking about is Jesus Christ. The door is the grace of Jesus Christ who helps us to do what we can't do on our own whose forgiveness washes over us when we try and we fail, whose grace helps us to do more than we can ever ask or imagine, who breaks down the walls that divide us and lays himself over the chasms that we have built so that those chasms begin to disappear. And as we sing this song, we also sing this song, which is a stirring song, to stir us up, to do what Abraham tells the rich man in this parable to do, to listen to the law and the prophets and the words of someone who has come back from the dead. We sing this song to encourage each other to keep doing the work 
of bridging the chasms that exist between wealthy and poor, healthy and sick, young and old, citizen and immigrant, and whatever other chasms exist between people and communities and nations. When we sing this song now as grown-ups, not in VBS, grown-ups in a troubled time, we sing this song as a prayer that listening to the words of the prophets and the witness of Christ will rock our worlds so that we may be awakened out of our complacency, out of our despair, out of our paralyzing anger at the way things are, so that we may get on with the work of loving God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength and our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. <laughs>